Welcome to Simply by Grace, a podcast of Grace Life Ministries with founder and director, Dr. Charlie Bing. This podcast and other helpful resources can be found at our website, gracelife.org. Now, here's Dr. Bing. Not too many years ago, I flew deep into the jungle in a single-engine small airplane with a missionary pilot to pick up a missionary for a conference where I was preaching in Papua New Guinea for what was then called New Tribes Mission, now SNOS 360. When we landed, we offloaded some supplies and we were met by some of the villagers in this remote village in the jungle. And I was introduced by the missionary to the elders of the church. And we had about an hour to chat while supplies were being loaded back onto the plane. The elder named Francis immediately asked me a question. He said, well, more of a question, a statement. He said, tell us your story. I realized that in that culture, as in our culture today, that stories are very important. We each have one. They're all different. But it helps us understand where we're, we're one another are coming from. And it helps us give us a context for who we are and who we're talking to. So I thought I would just tell my story briefly. Today's my happens to be my birthday. So I'm thinking a little bit backwards and reflecting on my life, which uh, has, has been a wonderful life. And my story actually begins a couple generations uh, before um, I arrived on the scene, uh, more pointedly, with a young man in China who was promised riches in America and came over to work on the railroads, and a little girl of eight years old in China who was sold by her poor parents to a rich Chinese businessman who took her to America as, as a servant and concubine. To make a long story short, they did not know each other at that time, and my grandmother eventually escaped slavery. You see, I'm only one generation away from slavery. She escaped slavery and met my grandfather in Washington, D.C., and they had a Chinese restaurant and a laundry and, and lived there, and there they had my father, Robert Chan Bing. And my father met my mother, who was from the hills of Virginia. Um, during the war period, they met and they married in 1946. And then I was born in 1954. And I have four other siblings, two older, two younger. My older brother has passed away since. We grew up there in the D.C. area in the suburbs of Maryland and uh, went to school, of course, and were raised in a church denomination that my mother was familiar with. And it was just up the street, so it was convenient. I remember going to church and not particularly enjoying it, memorizing some Bible verses and learning some Bible stories, as all the other children and my siblings. But it got pretty boring. There wasn't any life in it for me. And we kind of made a deal with our parents that if we went through the catechism classes and graduated and became official members of the church and had our first communion, then we could do what we wanted to, which of course meant stop going to church. So I did all of that and I immediately stopped going to church. I guess I was about 12 or 13 years old at the time. And on my early teenage years, it was the 1960s, which were years of experimentation and uh, a lot of freedom going on in the United States. And I did a lot of experimenting in my teenage years, a lot of things that were not good. That went into the 70s. I graduated from high school and enrolled in the University of Maryland 
and uh, which was not far from my home, but really bombed out that first year because of all the partying I was doing. And I was doing a lot of that with my best friend, uh, Jerry, who was also my neighbor. We had grown up together, but didn't really become close friends until we started hanging out together in our teenage years and doing all kinds of crazy things. But it was when I was 18, he was 18, one night, uh, late after a party, and uh, we had been out all night. He went to his home and he said, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, okay. But I never saw Jerry again alive. He died in his sleep as a result of drugs he had taken on top of the pneumonia that he happened to have that night. So as an 18-year-old, I began to think about life a little bit differently because you tend to think, teenagers tend to think they'll live forever. And I started thinking, what was my purpose in life? And what if I were to die, what would happen to me? And I began to ponder some of the Bible verses I had heard before, but didn't know what to do with them. So at the age of uh, 18, I changed my life a little bit because I knew that I was going down the wrong path. I changed some of my behavior. I got a job. It was while working that job, I met a young lady who had a big smile and a big Bible. And she began to talk to me and my two roommates, two other guys at the time. She said, Charlie, are you a Christian? I said, well, I'm, I'm American and I went to this church and I was catechized and so forth. She said, no, I mean, are you born again? And I said, what do you mean? I wasn't familiar with the term. I hadn't been taught it in church. So she explained to me what it meant. And she gave me Bible verses to read and books to read and th things to listen to. And I began to, to understand the Bible verses that I had memorized as a child. That God not just loved the world, but he loved me. And that Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, took my sins upon himself. And that Jesus Christ really is God. He really is alive. And he promises eternal life to whoever believes in him. It was sometime during the summer of 1973. I can't pin it down to an event, an occasion, or a day. Sometime during that summer. But I believed in Jesus Christ as my only hope of eternal life. And my life began to change slowly. Not overnight, but slowly. And one of the room, my roommates also believed. And so we would study the Bible together and stay up long into the night just studying the Bible and uh, talking about it. We didn't know where to go to church because the young lady didn't direct us anywhere and she went back home, another part of the country. So we just studied as much as we could. Eventually, we did land in some churches and uh, I began working with youth. About the same time, I noticed that there was a Bible college just down the road from where we lived, Washington Bible College in Lanham, Maryland. And so I decided to enroll in a couple classes to see if I could learn a little bit more about the Bible. I enrolled in a couple classes expecting them to be more like Sunday school. And I was amazed at the knowledge that these professors had about the Bible. I didn't think anybody could know that much about the Bible. I was so amazed that I ended up being a full-time student and graduating from Washington Bible College. Near the end of my time there, I married Karen in 1979. And um, I wanted to go and get further training. I still had a lot of questions and felt there was so much more to learn. And so I applied and was accepted at Dallas Theological Seminary in Texas. Karen and I worked for a year with no studying before we came to Texas. And I think that was a good idea to solidify our marriage. But we took up everything to a land we did not know and a people we did not know and moved to Texas uh, with no source of income. 
and uh, began studies at Dallas Seminary. Thanks to my wife working, she was able to pay most of the bills and graduated with my master's degree in 1984. Sometimes people ask me, they say, Charlie, when did you become free grace? And my answer is, I don't know. I didn't know there was any any other way to become, uh, explain salvation other than that it is a free gift of God with no conditions and strings attached. It's just a result of studying the Bible and taking it at face value, at the common sense level, taking it literally and uh, and coming out. And not that I had all the pieces put together and all my questions answered and all my language correct, but there was no other place to go but to understand that salvation is a gracious gift of God and that faith and belief in Christ is the only condition of salvation. I had a really definitive conversation uh, in my senior year at Dallas Theological Seminary in my master's program with Bob Salsom, the director of alumni. We were talking about the future and ministry. And I remember him saying that he attends a lot of ordination councils because a lot of the students knew him. And the first question he always asked was, tell me how to get to heaven. And he said, you'd be surprised how many people graduate from this seminary with a degree of master in theology, doctor of theology, and cannot tell you clearly how to get to heaven. I was a little shocked to hear that, but I knew that was true because I began to see not only in Bible college, but also in seminary, but not everyone believed the same way, the same gospel and the same way of salvation. And I had always been interested in evangelism. I feel an urgency to reach the world, that time is running out, and we can argue about other points of theology, but let's get everyone saved first. That's kind of the way I think. And I felt that that was my purpose in life, so I was pursuing more an evangelistic ministry. But I noticed that a lot of evangelists were very careless in their theology, not definitive at all. Some sloppy and some just incorrect. I thought the greatest contribution I could make to evangelism would would be to help clarify the gospel so that people were preaching a clear gospel. And with that in mind, I applied and was accepted into the doctoral program at Dallas Theological Seminary. About the same time, I started having children and and I planted a church. There was a group of people in Burleson, Texas, that wanted a Bible teaching church. They asked me to lead a Bible study, and then they asked me to start a church. And I said, well, okay, but I have plans. I don't think God called me to be a pastor, so I'll stay with you three years and help you get things going. That three years turned into 19 years. Beginning in 1986, I stepped down in 2005 from that church. I stepped down with the idea that I would be able to now go around and preach the gospel and teach other uh, pastors in other countries uh, the clear gospel and all the things that come from that. And, and you know, it's grace from beginning to end. So it's all about grace. So everything was going well in the church. Uh, Things couldn't have been going better. We just built a building and moved into the building. And then I announced that I'd be leaving in a year. And I was blessed by the church uh, and their and their acceptance and blessing of that decision. Um, my wife and I continued to go to the church with our children, four children, and uh, and that worked out good. I was not there much of the time because I was traveling. I was traveling as a director and founder of Grace Life Ministries, but Grace Life Ministries actually started in 1997 as a pastor because there were some mission projects and some writing projects that I needed to do. And uh, people outside of the church wanted to fund them, and it was easier to set up a separate entity to do that. But I always felt like the church deserved 
uh, my full-time attention. And, and after all, they were paying me the paycheck. So there was limited funds, limited time to travel and do the things that that kind of ministry required. But when I stepped down, I immediately stepped down into a full-time schedule of, of speaking elsewhere, traveling, and doing more writing than I had had to neglect for so long. And Grace Life Ministries has grown to what it is today, a ministry that has reached into every country in the world through our electronic, uh, digital, web media, and writing, and um, has also ministered. In, I've ministered in 17 countries and uh, teamed up with good instructors and pastors from all around the country to train and help other church leaders and pastors in other countries, not to mention speaking around the United States and doing some writing. So it's been a blessing uh, through all these years. And for many, many years in my Christian life, I claimed Second Chronicles 16, 9 as my life verse, something to live up to. For the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the earth that he may show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are completely his. I wanted to be that man whose heart was completely his. After I stepped down into Grace Life Ministries and saw the need around the world, my focus shifted a little more specifically to testifying specifically to the gospel of grace. And so I identified more with Paul's uh, saying in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, which really explains the heart of his ministry. He said, neither do I count my life dear to myself that I may uh, finish my race with joy and the ministry that was given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel, the grace of God. Paul was driven more than by his desire to live. He was driven to share the gospel of grace. And I like to think that that's what is driving me and how I'll finish my life in my race as well. We can argue about other points of theology, but let's all be sure to get to heaven first. And in order to do that, I think we need to reach a place, as I did, where I didn't see a purpose in life. I felt separated from God, and indeed I was by my sin. But God loved me so much and proved his love and demonstrated it. Romans 5, 8 says, by giving his son to die for my sins on the cross. And that's what he's done for you too. And then he rose from the dead so that he is alive. And he can make a promise that whoever believes in him has everlasting life. And when you believe in Jesus Christ as the one who died for your sins and rose from the dead, who gives you this offer of the free gift of eternal life and you receive it freely instead of trying to earn it and work for it, you too can have a brand new life, eternal life, God's life, born again, literally born from above. That's what I wish for you. It has changed my life and taken me places I never would have dreamed of or experienced. It's given me a purpose, the purpose for which I was born. May you find this purpose in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for listening. For more resources, or to help spread the message of God's life-changing grace, visit our website at gracelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at simplybygrace at gracelife.org. See you next time.